Keep God's word on your lips. Meditate on it day and night. Be careful to do what it says. Then you will truly be successful. Keep God's word on your Welcome everybody to our 90 day challenge. This is the day that the Lord has made, day 18, and God is about to grant your request. We are now in the book of First Chronicles. We're beginning First Chronicles 4, 1 through 20, and then we're going to jump down to verse 41 to 43. First Chronicles 4 and 1 begins this way. The descendants of Judah, Perez, Hezron, Carmi, Hur, and Shobal. Reiah, son of Shobal, was the father of Jahath, and Jahath the father of Ahumai and Lahad. These were the clans of the Zorathites. These were the sons of Etam, Jezreel, Ishma, and Idbash. Their sister was named Hazalel Ponai. Penuel was the father of Gador, and Ezer the father of Husha. These were the descendants of Hur, the firstborn of Ephrathah, and father of Bethlehem. Asher, the father of Tekoa, had two wives, Hila and Nara. Nara bore him Ahuzam, Hefer, Temini, and Hashhashterai. These were the descendants of Nara, the sons of Hila, Zerith, Zohar, Ethnan, and Kaz, who was the father of Anub and Hazobeba, and of the clans of Aharhel, son of Harum. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. Caleb, Shuha's brother, was the father of Mehir, who was the father of Eshton. Eshton was the father of Bethraphah, Pasia, and Tahina, the father of Er Nehesh. These were the men of Rekah, the son of Kenaz, Othniel, and Sariah, the sons of Othniel, Hathath, and Maonathai. Maonathai was the father of Orphra. Sariah was the father of Joab, the father of Geharashim. It was called this because its people were skilled workers. The sons of Caleb, son of Jephune, Ira, Elah, and Naam, the son of Elah, Kenaz, the son of Jehalalel, Ziph, Zephah, Tiriah, and Azarel, the sons of Ezra, Jether, Mered, Ephor, and Jalan, one of Mered's wives gave birth to Miriam, Shemai, Ishba, the father of Eshtemoah, his wife from the tribe of Judah gave birth to Jared, the father of Jedor, Heber, the father of Zoko, and Jekuthiel, the father of Zenoah. These were the children of Pharaoh's daughters, Bithia, whom Mered had married, the sons of Hodiah's wife, the sister of Nahum, the father of Keilah, the Garmite, and Eshtemoah, the Mechathite, the sons of Shimon, Amnon, Rena, Ben-Hanan, and Telon, the descendants of Ishi, Zoheth, and Ben-Zoheth. 1 Chronicles 4, 
41. The men whose names were listed came in the days of Hezekiah king of Judah. They attacked the Hamites in their dwellings and also the Meunites who were there and completely destroyed them as is evident to this day. Then they settled in their place because there was pasture for their flocks and 500 of these Simeonites led by Pelatiah, Neriah, Rephiah, and Uziel, the sons of Ishi, invaded the hill country of Seir. They killed the remaining Amalekites who had escaped and they have lived there to this day. And that, my friends, ends our reading for today. Our worship thought is titled, God is about to grant your request. Let me let you in on a secret. When I prepared this book, Worship in 66, I asked God to give me a specific word about worship in every book of the Bible. I didn't create the table of contents before I wrote the chapters, and I didn't create titles until I prayed for the word or the takeaway that God was giving me that day. What is amazing is how each day seems to build on the day before it. And I want you to know that's a God thing. It was not and could not have been orchestrated by me. Day 15, the word was before you go, ask. Day 16, the word was order matters. Day 17, the word was just ask. And now day 18 is God is about to grant your request. Each worship thought was written in isolation and after reading the scriptures for that particular day. So I am in awe at the consistency, the continuity and the rhema God gives each of us as we dive deeper into the subject of worship. Now, let me get back to my professional tone of voice for today's worship thought. So I have a friend named Mary. She is an interesting person. You might as well call her robot because every day she does the same thing at the same time all the time. She only eats chicken and rice. She only gets her meat from the grocery store around the corner from her job. She drives the same way to work every day and she has no social life. For 20 years, she has been driving the same car, working at the same place, spending her money on the same things. Her life has become so uneventful. She's afraid to take risks. Her boss asked her to apply for a promotion last year, but she turned it down. Her excuse is that she likes stability and doesn't enjoy surprises. She doesn't date because she isn't ready to give her heart to someone who will change her norm. Her routine used to be a good thing, but now... Even if God himself came down to change her pattern, she would look at him and say, hmm, no, thanks. And just like Mary, you and I have a routine. It probably looks a little like this. Go to church, hear the word, get the answer, go home, forget the word, lose hope, come back to church, hear the word, get the answer, go to work, go to eat, go home, stay again next week, start again next week. All of us have a routine. But God is bigger than that. God is bigger than our assumptions. God is bigger than our routine. The moment we get used to God speaking in the cloud, he'll come from a burning bush. The moment we become dependent on Moses to translate God's will, he will cause the human representative to disappear for a season. Why? Because on the road toward hearing God, we can become so distracted by his representatives that we fail to go to the source. Please listen. You have too many things in the proverbial oven to get distracted. God is about to grant your request. I really believe this. God is about to shock you and reroute you. Quite simply, God is coming another way.
The money you need, it won't come from the places you expect. The help you need, it will appear in a different garb, a different accent, a different age, a different price bracket, and a different denomination. When God opens this next door, please do not shut it because it looks unfamiliar. Because the unfamiliar is often the place where faith is born. Your discernment is more important now than ever before. Prepare for God to shift your norm. Do you remember the story with Elijah and the still small voice? Elijah realized very quickly, the Lord is not in the wind of my wants, the earthquake of my brokenness, or in the fire of my passion. This time, God is coming to me in a still small voice. The vision he has given you will lead you to the answers you've been praying for. And that still small voice might sound or look like an abandoned building. It might look like a job that pays less. It might look like a man too short for your taste buds. It may come as a 40-year-old single mother, a 65-year-old immigrant, a 14-year-old Mary, an 8-year-old Josiah, a 33-year-old Jesus. But don't miss Christ on your way to church all because you expected him to be wrapped in your tradition. The answer to your prayer is chasing after you, but it's coming in the form of something new. So what does all of this have to do with First Chronicles 4? I am so glad you asked. Out of the gate of our reading, I noticed yet another genealogy. The Old Testament is filled with genealogies. There are so many names, so many tribes, so many sons, so many daughters. And I learned something interesting today about the difference between First and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles. Firstly, there is no separation, by the way, between Chronicles and the original document. Secondly, First Kings, Second Kings, and First and Second Chronicles both speak to the same events. They just focus on different parts. The Chronicles function as a sanitized telling of history that removes all the sin and struggle from the protagonists like David. The writer situates Chronicles in a way that points the reader to Jesus as Messiah. And because many of these biblical characters are types of Christ, the writer needed to remove some of the scandal to point the reader toward the Savior. But even more than that, the genealogies are intentional about tracing the legacy of human life from Adam forward to highlight an important truth about legacy that I think many postmodern Christians forget. Here are the lessons I heard after reading today. Number one, you can't build legacy if you don't know your history and you can't know your history if you don't know your family and you can't know your family if you're always in church. Wow. I immediately saw this connection between legacy and family and this insistence on God laying out a priority that we sometimes overlook. God wants to remind us again that before there was church, there was family. In fact, I would even argue to say the Old Testament proves that faith and family were always supposed to be harmoniously integrated. But most of us tend to prize church over family or we do not have the best relationship with family members so it's easier to go to the revival before we go to the family reunion but these names and this rich history convicted me because there is someone alive and well in your family 
that you haven't reached out to in a while. There's someone in my family that holds the keys to my history. And if I am not intentional about cultivating relationships with them, I may lose out on a valuable part of my legacy, all because I neglected my family. I know yesterday I told you to work in your relationships with your neighbors, but maybe just maybe God today is asking you to work on your relationships in your family. So first Chronicles four and nine introduces Jabez to us in the midst of this detailed genealogy. Seemingly out of nowhere, his story is told without any buildup or breakdown. All we know is who he was, how he was born and his prayer. Then the genealogy continues, which gave me the impression that sometimes God drops someone's story in scripture to reflect how he will drop you into your next opportunity. They won't see you coming. It won't make sense. It won't have a proper intro or a proper conclusion, very much like this worship thought. And when you show up, the blessing will show up. When you show up, the answer will show up and God will enlarge your territory. Listen, y'all, I'm telling you what I know to be true. Your name is in the wind. God is about to enlarge your territory. But before he does it without, God is first going to start within. Your worship work is to remember the prayer of Jabez. He prayed a bold prayer. Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory. As you prepare for God to grant your request, Work on enlarging your capacity within so that you can prepare for an enlargement of capacity without. In other words, work on your character, increase your devotional time and your prayer time. Get ready for the big. Let's go. I don't know what you're going through, but we stop by to tell you that what's in front of you is bigger than what's behind you. Your destiny, your promise, your future. You might as well shout before you get it. Because God sent me here to tell you that what he has for you is going to be big. That it's my season. That it's my season. You ought to declare that over your own life. Say, I believe. I believe. That it's my time. That it's my time. It's my time. It's my and I can feel it. And I can feel it. <laughs> Say breakthroughs in the room. Breakthroughs in the room. It's yours if you want it. Anticipating. Anticipating. God's getting ready to move. God's getting ready to move. Listen, you ought to declare this over your own life. Say it. God, God, He's working he work a miracle. Just for me. Just for me. And it's gonna be. And it's gonna be. Listen, don't let negativity, doubt, or your haters convince you that God is not about to bless you. It's gonna be. And it's gonna be. What's in front of you is bigger than what's behind you. You gotta learn how to praise God before you get it. Say, I believe. That it's my season.
and say this with me. For I know. Why? God's gonna 